This week on the Meg Rock Show, I got to sit down with Mary Ann Trainer. Mary Ann is amazing. I found her on TikTok and her videos just resonated with me with her views on religion and God. I was like, I have got to have her on my podcast. We talk a lot about her trauma and how her trauma led her down a very, very dark road in her teenage years, how she was planning her suicide and how she was so mad at God for the life that she was forced to live growing up. And she cried out to God and an angel appeared. You guys are going to love this episode. Marianne is a military veteran, a mama, an author, a speaker, and a counselor who's truly changing people's lives because she's been in the trenches and she found her way out and she's here to tell people that there is hope. You guys are going to absolutely love this podcast episode. It is fire, as my teenage kids would say. Welcome to the Meg Rock Show with Manifesting Marge, enlightening you with high vibe spiritual guidance, interviews with high vibe people, and those who practice different healing modalities around the world. I help women manifest more love, more self love, more money, better health, and clarity on their life path. My purpose is to help you remember who the f- you are. Let's rock this out. Hey, Mary Ann, I'm so excited to have you on the Meg Rock Show. Hi, Meg. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited. So I found you on TikTok. How amazing is TikTok? I have not, I mean, I kind of piddled around with TikTok during COVID Uh because I was bored and stuck at home with kids. (laughs) And then I was like, who has time for this? And then I started building it again. And I literally heard the other day that TikTok is becoming for phones, what YouTube has always been for the computer. And people are going there for all their information. Absolutely. I know I do. I mean, there's great self-help on TikTok as a counselor. There's so many people filled with such knowledge. Why not? Oh, and the beauty and the beauty and the rawness. I mean, you, you don't, you don't find that on other platforms. And I think that's, what's most attractive is it's unfiltered and authentic. And that's what we need today. We don't need people hiding behind, you know, expensive clothing and Louis Vuitton bags. We need because we need to know that we're not alone. Yes, absolutely. Well, I found you. So that's a beautiful part of this story. So I was so drawn to you. Just my background is I was raised in the church. Yeah. Um, in, in the Bible about the South and my God could never really fit in any kind of religious box. I was like, my God is too big. My my God is too big to say that gay people are going to hell. My God is too big to say that things happen in certain parts of the world because they're not Christian. And then I literally had a a Bible study teacher tell me that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was like, no, that's not Jesus. That's not God. Like God is so much bigger than that. And so when I found, and it's interesting, so, and it kind of gets on my nerves too. So when I, when I algorithms, right. So when I'm on TikTok, it puts people in front of me that thinks I'm going to want to see, right. Well, not a lot of religious people are spiritual, right. And not all spiritual people are religious and I'm more on the spiritual, not religious side, but I see all these super religious people that are so not spiritual. And I'm like, TikTok, quit putting these people in front of me. They're not my people. And I came across you and I was like, oh my gosh, you're my people. You are Uh, a breath of fresh air. You are truly the embodiment of Jesus Christ. You're not just teaching. Yes. I'm enough tears in my eyes thinking about it. Like you are just, 
you're, you're amazing. So that's how I found you. That's why you resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Here's my eyes. I was crying. I wanna, but I want to hear, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story and how you ended up where you are today and the impact that you're making in the world. Well, you know, it's a unique story. It's a, it's a story that, um, it starts off very bad, but ends very good in the sense that I, I survived. Um, you know, I was in a home with two alcoholic parents, a mentally, a mentally ill mother, um, a raging alcoholic father. Um, it landed us in and out of shelters for children that were being abused And, you know, I lost everything when I was a teenager. I ended up homeless, marrying for money. And, you know, you speak of God and and the religious side of things. I I did not want to know God. Um, I I did not seek a relationship with him because I thought if God was real, he's the cruelest thing on the planet. Yeah, you thought God would be, it was the cruelest person on the planet. Like, why would your life have ended up this way? Why would you have chosen two alcoholic parents? Yeah, right. And so at the age of 12, I began to self-medicate. You know, I was drinking at 12 and um, Jack Daniels became my, my God, my comfort. And so with that being said, it didn't leave me on a trail to great things. I made a lot of mistakes and poor choices, which led me to a marriage um, that was not um, for the right reasons, but to marry for food and shelter. And so I got married at 17, an alcoholic, broken father that died when I was 16 and a mother that blamed me for his death. And so at the age of about 18, I found myself one day working in a portrait studio, um, being abused by my husband and not wanting to live anymore, Meg. And so I didn't really have comfort in any God because I didn't believe in God. In fact, I told God to go to hell numerous times. I mean, that's the anger coming out of any victim of abuse. And, And we become what we witness. And so when you witness an environment that's not safe, no one's safe anymore, nobody. And so I found myself wanting to end my life. The pain was excruciating and I had nothing to live for. And so I made the decision um, at the age of 18 to go home, take pills and drink myself to never wake up again. However, I heard of God and I also heard of hell. And you hear, you hear those things, even not going to a church, there's something in you where, you know, there's a heaven and there's a hell you hear it from somewhere. And I knew I didn't want to go to hell if it was real. So I thought I'd give this God that you and I talked about in the beginning a one last shot. And so I get down on my knees and I cried out to him and I said, don't leave me this way. I don't want to live, but I'm afraid to die. But life is so incredibly painful. I can't do this anymore. I need to know that you love me because you're my last, my last shot. And so after crying, you know, those, those, those crying moments where you're like doing an ab workout. I mean, I, it was gut wrenching. My mascara is all the way down my face. I mean, looking back, I was a baby. I mean, I'm 45 years old looking back at, at this whole picture thinking, where were the people? Where were the people to love me? Where were the people to help rescue me? And there was no one to be found except for a bottle of Jack Daniels. And so I stood up and I'll never forget it, Meg. I looked at myself in the mirror as damaged goods, mascara all the way down my face. And I, I shook my hand up to heaven. I pointed at the sky in that office at the ceiling, actually. And I said, you know what? You're not real. To hell with you. I will never get on my knees before you again. Well, what I didn't know is that the moment I walked out of that portrait studio, I was working in the portrait studio, that my whole life was about to change. 
I walked up and I was closing shop so that I could get in my car and end my life. And out of nowhere, this is the spiritual stuff that we need to hear about. It wasn't coincidental. This old man with a yellow baseball cap came up to my counter and I said, sir, may I help you? I was embarrassed because I looked a mess and he couldn't speak. And I asked again, may I help you? I got louder (laughs) and he couldn't speak. And so he couldn't hear either. Apparently Um, he just slid a card to me. And when I looked down at this card, listen, I just got out of the office saying, God, I need to know that you're real. I need to know that you love me. Give me a sign. And I look at this card and I read it and it says this, angel of God, my guardian dear, for whom his love permits us here at this day, be at my side to light, guard, rule, and guide. And I, I, I flip this card over and I see a picture. And it's a picture of this huge angel watching these two children. I have a twin sister. I knew. I knew that that was representing when the police came to the house. I knew that was representing when I was hiding under a kitchen table because my dad was being violent. He was in the mafia. We had guns. We had German shepherds. We had nothing was safe. And I knew in that moment that that picture in one second was my sister and I crossing a broken bridge that at any moment we could fall fall to our death. And the tears, my heart's beating, it's racing, the tears are flowing. And I'm telling you, it took me seconds to read this. And I look up to say, how did you know? Where did you come from? You saved me. You saved my life. And as soon as I looked up, Meg, he was completely gone. An angel. He was an angel. An angel. And so I went back into that portrait studio just where I shook my fist up to God and I said, to hell with you. And I fell to my face and I said, oh my God. I mean, what else do you say? But oh my God. And it wasn't just saying it because everyone else says, oh my God, oh my God. It was from the soul. It was from every ounce of my being that I was in the presence of a king, of the the God that created the universe. And I was blown away because I wasn't a believer. You have to understand, I wasn't raised like that, you know, and but there's something to say about brokenness that will bring you to a place of such desperation that in that brokenness and that desperation, you actually find that it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you when you have a moment like this. And so from that point forward, when I said to hell with you, God, I swear he said to heaven with you, Marianne, <laughs> to heaven with you. And I mean, I'm just like shaking right now. I still feel the moment I'm, I'm in it. I remember it because I'm alive. I'm alive because of that interaction that he would love me that much. And so to de- from that point forward, when you realize that you're loved like that, do you know that how that could change a woman's life regarding the decisions we make with men, regarding the decisions we make with, with what we put up with, what we believe in, our identity, what, we, be, what we, we become in life in terms of success? When you know that you're loved like that, you are dangerous because you will not settle. You will know your worth and every woman on the the planet needs to know this, Meg. They need to know what they're worth. They need to know that they're loved. And the world cannot give that to them. 
I don't care how many followers I might get on TikTok, right? I, I have like 40,000, right? Who cares? If I'm not using that platform to help set people free as I have been set free, I shouldn't be where I'm at. We haven't even talked about my mother being a prostitute. We haven't even gone into that. That's for another show, right? I mean, be raised by a mentally ill mother. Be raised by a woman that blames you for the death of your father. And all you see is alcohol and, and, um, and a revolving door for men as a little girl, as a teenager. And that's going to set the stage for you to make some really poor choices. Because what do we think? We think, well, that's what we are. That's our worth. It comes from men. I need to be approved by men, right? And so, but that's a lie. Our worth doesn't come. And I'm, this isn't a podcast to bash men right now, but I'm telling you as a woman who used to believe that, that unless I looked a certain way and weighed a certain amount and presented myself a certain way that I wasn't a high value woman. No, I'm a high value woman because I know my value and I respect myself and I will not tolerate disrespect from the world. I used to, but when you come out of that and you experience that freedom, you will never go back. It's like the, you know, to quote a scripture right now, like, it's like the dog that returns to their vomit. I'm not going back. I'm moving forward. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, the past 20 years I I was married and I just got out of a divorce in 2020. Nobody really knows that part of my story because I have to write another book now. <laughs> As you know, I wrote a book called Broken No More. And in that is about me finding Christ and, and getting married and, and tr- kind of making my husband a hero of the story, which was wrong of me. Because looking back now, it was never him as the hero. It was God. <laughs> it was God. And so, you know, I, I'm coming out of a, a marriage of betrayal and secrets, And I tell my clients, I'm a marriage and family counselor. I guess this makes me a better one, right? Why not? I'm not disqualified because I'm divorced. I'm not disqualified because I have, you know, trauma or PTSD. You know what? When women come- That qualifies you. (laughs) That's right. It qualifies you. And when women come in here thinking, you know, the shame, I don't care where they've been. When I hear the horrendous things that have happened to them, I get excited because I realize how dangerous they are and the sense of being on the battlefield next to me because we're in a war. We must fight this war. You know, as a military veteran, I think, I think, you know, soldier, we're all, we're all on the front lines together, Meg. Right. And so I'm not going to have somebody on the front lines next to me unless they're limping. I don't trust anybody without a limp. That means they've been through some, some crushing, if you will, but it's the crushing that qualifies the call. And I believe, you know, I've counseled women since 2009 and I'm in awe, in awe of what I have seen women overcome in this office. Women have, we do full disclosure sometimes where women for the first time hear how many, how many women that their husbands have cheated on them with, whether they be prostitutes co-workers, or even their friends. That's what I do. Every day I'm on the battlefield with women and you, and they've laid on my floor in the fetal position. How the hell am I going to get out of this? What am I supposed to do? I want to die. But I know because of my experience that what's going on inside them is something that's, that's never going to let them fall. It's actually going to build them up and give them a strength that can defeat giants bigger than they could ever expect. They won't realize that first session, but let me tell you, by session number six, seven, or eight, they're finally understanding, wait a minute, I can use this for a purpose. 
if we don't have meaning, purpose, and value, what do we have? And the only way we get it as women is to take the very things that were supposed to take us out, get stronger, and carry other people off the battlefield. That's the only way we're going to look at that th- those things that crushed us and be grateful for them. I can look back and be thankful today for all of it because I see who it's helping. And if it's just one, so what? It's one. Did Jesus not leave the 99 to find the one? Should we not think like that bigger in terms of love? Like you talked about religion. Religion is not love. Religion is judgment and crushing of people to put them underneath the demands of things that will never work. I'm a sinner. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I sin every day. I don't care. You call me a pastor. I have a degree on the wall and a couple things. Who cares? I sin every single day and I never exalt myself over anybody. We are together low crawling on the battlefield. Our swords are the same size, period. Let me just help you get up and get out. That's it. That's it. And that's the purpose of our crushing, to look back and see what was accomplished in our crushing and what God has used it for. And finally look at it and say, I am satisfied. Mm -hmm. Well, let me me ask you this. I have interviewed so many amazing people with amazing stories and the ones who are able to heal from everything they've been through are the ones that are able to forgive. How have you, how have you dealt with that? Forgiving, you know, your, is your mom still alive? No, she passed uh, uh, five years ago. She passed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how has your forgiveness of your parents been? What kind of journey has that been like? A powerful forgiveness story. So my mother went missing for 13 years after my dad died. No, I feared her dead. Her addiction took over her, her schizophrenia and bipolar took over she was drinking rubbing alcohol. She was selling her body and many arrests. I mean, you can type her name in right now when her mugshot comes up. Both my, my parents were felons. I mean, it's crazy. They, 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 I, I come from just the, the, the most, I guess, crooked of backgrounds you can imagine. Like I'm probably one of the greatest sinners you probably ever count, or spoke to right now. I mean, I, I haven't let everyone into the things that I've done and seen, but my point is this forgiveness is everything. Mm-hmm. because I forgave my mother. You have to understand my mother locked me out of a house, told me to go F myself, wrote F you all over the walls. I'm sorry if I'm saying inappropriate things right now. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, and so locked me out saying you killed your father. My father died of pancreatic cancer, by the way. So it was from a lifestyle of addiction. It destroyed his body. And so at 16 years old, I'm locked out of the house. She's telling me I'm this, I'm that. Um, wouldn't let me eat the food, wouldn't let me use the toilet paper. It was, it was awful. And the man that she was dating came in and stole everything from us, stole my daddy's um, 49er jacket. He was a 49ers fan, was wearing my dad's jewelry. My dad wasn't even the, in the grave yet for three months. He wasn't even in there for three months before all these men. I remember coming home and they had my comforter on the living room floor wrapped in it, my bedroom comforter. And so anyway, this man took my dad's jacket and And the last time I saw my mother was at a bar. I walked into the bar at 16 and the man was wearing my dad's jacket. I was still mourning the loss of him. I was a very angry teenager. I think I had a few drinks of me when I walked in and I slapped him in the face and I said, give me my dad's jacket to which he did. And I looked at my mother and I shook my head and I said, never again. Well, 
I didn't stay there. I think if I stayed there in that condition of unforgiveness, I certainly wouldn't have a ministry. I certainly wouldn't have a, a practice to help women because I probably would have died in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so years later, I come to find Jesus. I was, again, I, fa- I heard of him in the office of the portrait studio, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. I mean, and I continued drinking, by the way. It was a great experience. God loves me. Awesome. Continued drinking. Joined the Air Force. Was an immoral woman in the military. And it wasn't until I actually heard about Jesus that I didn't, I didn't understand forgiveness and what it meant and what it was until I was forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in an atmosphere in the fighter squadrons in the military where drinking was so much that you, I saw men unzip flight suits, you know, Top Gun movie just came out. Imagine that unzip flight suit, puke in their flight suit, zip it up and let's roll. Let's drink some more. I mean, that was my life. That was my environment. And it was sex. It was jets. It was jet fuel. I mean, on the outside, people looking in, they thought, wow, what a life this girl has, right? Mm-hmm. She's got a six pack. She's blonde and she's got lines of F-16 pilots or military pilots that want to date her. And I thought I had it all too, but guess what? The suicidal thoughts came back because it wasn't enough in the office for me to be okay. I need to know more about this guy named Jesus. And so when I heard about him and those suicidal thoughts came back, I started going to church and that's when things changed. And when I received his forgiveness, that love that we were talking about was when it consumed me because I did not deserve that. So it taught me that I had to forgive others, right? To forgive others as I have loved you, I think the Bible says. And when my mama went homeless, back to her, and I, and I, I felt so free and set free by God, I just wanted the same for her. You know, I just thought, you know, if she knew God, she wouldn't be homeless. If she knew God, she wouldn't be drinking. If I could just tell her that before she dies, that's all my assignment can be. It's just, that's all I have to give her. It's not money because she'll just go drink. It's not even shelter. She needs to have a relationship with this God that loves her. And so I pray, and I kid you not, after 13 years, my mama went missing. I'm in a church service and I pray and I close my eyes and I see her spiritually. Like I saw her in a vision and I'm like, God, please don't do this to me right now. I'm not ready for this. Like I... I, I don't know what to do with all these emotions. Like I am such a wreck. I have these babies now I've married. I want to just keep new. I want to start over. I don't want to go back. I just want to move forward. And he wouldn't let me rest Meg. So I forgave her. I forgave her all the way, not partly because that doesn't work all the way. And I can't tell you something broke on me, off me, you know, that darkness, like if we're talking about God, we have to understand evil is real. Right. And so, and, and so it left, it broke. And at three, almost three days later, I can't remember exactly. I get a phone call after 10 years from a woman in a shelter in, in Bradenton, Florida, my mother and I were from Rhode Island. Okay. How the heck did she end up in Bradenton? She goes, you're not going to believe this. My name's Vicki. She said, I found your mom. I said, are you kidding me? I thought she was dead. My mother didn't cash in her social security. I was turning in dental records. I presumed her to be dead. She said, I have your mom, but she said, I don't know if you should come see her. I didn't even know she had children until she mentioned your name. And then the moment I heard your name, I found you. I looked for you. 
She said when they dropped her off, she was skin and bones. She was waving at things that weren't there. She was afraid to even get in the shower. I had to get in the shower with her. Your mom was so dirty. No teeth, soiled. I get so emotional. You have to understand my mother wasn't always like that. She was a stay-at-home mom. What took over? What happened to her? You have to understand that was a nightmare for me. And now to be face-to-face with the dead coming to life. Yeah. And she said, I don't know if you should come. You know, I don't know if she'll recognize you. You know, she's hallucinating. She drinks so much. And I said, I'm coming. I'm going to come see her. Because I knew that I had an assignment that wasn't complete. I heard from this woman that my mother was um, sleeping next to a a train track and was beat by three men with a stick. I heard horrendous stories about my mom. And I just, I just needed to see her and forgive her and hug her no matter what she looked like, no matter what she said, even if she didn't know me, I needed that for me. I needed to hold my mom one more time. So I got on a plane. (laughs) I fly out to Florida. This angel of a woman named Vicky puts her in a motel and I actually have a video of it (laughs) and I see her and she just looks at me and I look at her. I barely, she recognized me, (laughs) but I barely recognized her because she looked, you know, the black feet of homeless people all, all, it was, it was so unbearable for me to see my mom in that condition. But you know what? I was staying at the Hyatt. I said, she's coming with me. I took my mama to the Hyatt where so many people were staring at her for all the things that they could judge her for on the outside. And I wanted to look at every guy with a Rolex or whatever else that they were presenting and say, you know what? You're no different from her. Just because her sins are on the outside, yours are no different from the inside. Get out of the way. I bathed her. I took her shopping. We bought makeup. I did her hair. I dyed it. She looked beautiful beautiful. And as I'm walking through a target, I'm looking at all the moms and their daughters. And I'm like, that's my mom. And I'm so proud to be her daughter right now. Yeah. You guys have totally a different relationship than we do, but I'm taking her shopping just like she clothed me when I was little and took care of me and brushed my hair. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's his love. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. That's what we did. And mom got a makeover. We sat in the hot tub together at the, at the Hyatt and everything else. And she told me things I didn't want to hear, but you know, that's my mom. She's smoking a cigarette and, and you know what? I am so thankful for that. That evening, Meg, she slept with me (laughs) and I covered her up. I put a blanket around her and I looked at her frail little body and I thought, wow, she did this alone for 10 years. Who covered her? Who kept her warm? Who cared about her? But you know what? I prayed for this. And this is how I know that God is real. And I had to tell her about Jesus, of course, right? And I said, Mom, can we listen to Amazing Grace right now? (laughs) She goes, sure, honey, we can listen to that. Mind you, two days I was out there, not one drink. That was a miracle. Not one drink and her mind was sound. That's another miracle. She's paranoid schizophrenic and bipolar. In two days, God gave her a sound mind to hear me and recognize me. I said, mom, let me tell you about Jesus. I did. I grabbed her little hands. We listened. All I wanted to do was worship with her singing amazing grace. And again, that was for me too. And she goes, oh my God, Marianne, 
She goes, I, her eyes are closed. She goes, I see Jesus on that cross. I see him. And I said, mom, wouldn't you want to know who he is and give your life to him like I have? And she said, yes. And I did it right there in the Hyatt Hotel in Bradenton, Florida. She went from a motel with no clothes to a hightel with clothes. And I had my mama. And it was the greatest gift. She ended up having a heart attack. So my twin sister and I went back to Florida. You know, it's a, it's a big in between. We don't have enough time on the show. But it was that very heart attack that brought her home to us and saved her because she went back into the lifestyle. I mean, she's, she didn't know any, she didn't have the accountability. So a heart attack brought her home. And my sister and I had about three years with her until she died. And when she died, she died, not on the streets, not drunk, not in a shelter, but in the arms of her children and in heaven. That's forgiveness, Meg. That is forgiveness. If I did not forgive my mom, I would have lost that opportunity. It healed me and it healed her. And I'll never forget when she looked at me and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what you've gone through, Miriam. And I didn't need that. Whether she gave it to me or not, I was going to be okay. But when she did that, I mean, I'm just undone right now. (laughs) I'm just undone. So beautiful and so powerful. And how, you know, I really think I just have so much going through my head right now. Like one of the first things that comes to me is why can't, why can't we judge? Well, the reason we can't judge shouldn't judge is because we are all a product of our raising and our past and our perceptions and our experiences and everything that we've been through. Number one, you don't know what anyone's been through, right? That's it. And then the other thing is your mom had her own damage from her own childhood. That's right. So did your dad. That's right. Mm-hmm. So can you blame someone for quote sinning? Can you blame someone for derailing and, and going, you know, getting off track in life? No, no, not at all. In fact, looking back at my dad and my mom, I just believe that they did the very best they knew how to do mm-hmm. very best. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I don't have to. And the other thing too, is this, what if it was all intentional anyway, for me to be where I'm at, what if that was the requirement all along for me to have a ministry for me, which I, which I believe, which I believe that it was. So I, I have coached on manifesting and all the things. And, and one thing that I have realized in, in coaching and going on my own spiritual journey, understanding manifesting is not everything we go through in our life has been manifested. Some of it is a part of our soul's journey and we are called to go through these things because that is our purpose. And that is how we are going to make a bigger impact. And that is how we are quote certified to help other people because we've been through it. That's right. And I think I know, I don't know all your story, Meg. And I, I definitely want, I wish I could do a podcast with you because <laughs> I want to know all about you. I did obviously read, but you know, that's what makes you a high value woman. 
is what you just mentioned. What you had to go through is what qualifies you. Again, on the front lines, I don't need somebody that's going to cry over, you know, I broke a nail or been given a silver spoon. No offense to them. I'm not judging them, but I need somebody who's qualified, who, who's been there and say, says, I know how to get out of this. You know, I, I need somebody who's like, I can't relate to people. Um, let's use church for an example. And I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but it's very hard for me to sit in a church service where the person that's preaching doesn't really have anything in terms of a story. I know that sounds terrible, but for me, it's like the Joyce Myers. It's the ones who, she was raped by her father 200 times. Okay. Talk to me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You have just earned the right to speak to me. And we have to be careful too. Religious people have not earned the right to speak to people because all you're doing is you're trying to, to cast stones at people when Jesus did it the best. He said, you know what? Those of you without sin, go ahead and cast one guess what? None of us can, not one. And so I have a, if I, there's one thing I don't tolerate well, it's that stuff right there. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a daughter who's gay. We'll just stay there. Can you imagine the comments that I've had as a pastor with a gay daughter? Well, what do you think about gays? That's what I, what do you think about gays? Well, I've been in love with one for 19 years. Where do you want to go with this? I literally before that is the first TikTok video that I've watched of you. And I was like, oh my gosh, she is my people. I love this chick. And I started following you, but I went back and watched that before we got on today. And you said it so best. I am in love with this child. I have been for 19 years. And guess what? God loves her even more. That's the, that's the part that religious people hate, you know, they're getting mad at me, but they really need to be getting mad at God for love. Right. So if you want to get mad at God for love, well, you're going to have to get mad at him, but don't get mad at me because I'm choosing to love love wins. And this is my kid. And by the way, my daughter's dating somebody to, to, am I supposed to, what do I do? Stone her outside the house? No, come on in. We're going to eat. Are you hungry? Like, what do you need? Yeah. I'm, everybody, if I'm going to discriminate against broken people, then I'm going to, why don't I just discriminate against myself? The moment ask judgment on anybody, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy as rags. That means everyone that has been an evangelist that, you know, of big names, right? Their righteousness is as filthy as rags. So Mm -hmm. you cast a stone, you immediately just stood up and became a Pharisee. I'm sorry, but that's what you became. And I don't have room for that. You're getting in my way for what God's called me to do. You want to be a Pharisee, go sit in the hut and play safety. Uh, we don't get time to play safe. We got people dying all around us. And that crap right there is going to get somebody killed. Mm-hmm. Go clean some weapons. Cause that's all you're qualified to do. But as for me, I'm shooting them. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that same Jesus that we're speaking of right now was also known to flip some tables. That's he could right. get really pissed off. Yeah, he, he yeah. was savage. I mean, yeah, lead tips or whips with lead tips. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Those religious people in their place too. Oh yeah, and it's funny we could be here for days, but a lot of that stuff is left out and not talked about and. Oh my gosh, all the books, the Bible that were left out because religion is about control and yep. Jesus, my, my people will say, well, you know, what, you know, what are you like, are you Christian? And I'm like, well, I'm Christian, but I really, I, I'm, I'm bigger than that. Like I believe in the embodiment of Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus came 
for all of humanity. He didn't come for religion. He didn't come for straight people. He didn't come for gay people. He came for all the people, all the people. He did. He came to kill religion, actually. Exactly. He sure did. He sure did. And the agenda, we're still living it today in 2022. And the story that they wanted to tell, they have micromanaged and and totally manipulated. And, um, And I'm so excited that as crazy as this world is right now, this is such an exciting time to be alive. It is. Because people like you and I, we're talking about this stuff. And I believe, yeah. And I believe that the Jesus that we've all been taught about, that that love Mm -hmm. and that knowing of who Jesus is and breaking down all those boundaries and all those walls, they're coming down. And people are going to start falling in love with Jesus again, more so than religion. Well, that's the goal. That's my heart, just like yours. And that's why, you know, you're doing something right, Meg, when the religious people start casting stones at you. The moment you get hate for even this podcast, because you will, (laughs) I will too, because that's just how the nature of the game. The moment you get hated on for any of this, just know this, well done that good and faithful servant, well done, because that's confirmation that you are doing something good and the enemy will come against you with all sorts of stones. But I just want you to know you raise your head high, just like I do. It hurts sometimes. Sometimes we get a little damaged by it, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to embrace it and say, you know what? Wow. I must've done something good for this warfare to be happening. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to touch on this for a minute because I've, I've thought about this my entire life and there's more conversations around it now. So it's just validating what I've, what I've always believed and, and what I feel, um, going back to the gay thing. So another reason you don't judge is again, you don't know what those people have gone through. You don't know, you don't know, you, you just don't know. Right. And And, um, my mom had an uncle that, um, was very feminine from the time he was young and he physically looked like a boy, but he had a very, very, very small, this is graphic, a very small penis. And back then they probably didn't have the capability to go in and look and see what his organs looked like inside, but it was very highly likely that he had female organs. Right. Well, I have two people in my life that, okay. I don't have two people. I have one person, but it was crazy because my mom and I talk about this all the time. And we were watching a TikTok a couple of weeks ago. And there was this girl, and I don't even know what the sexual thing was she was calling it, but it was just interesting. And we were like, oh my God, this is so interesting. Let's watch this girl. And we were watching and whatever she was talking about, I literally had a friend come over and she has a niece that is exactly what this girl was talking about. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And this is a little girl who yeah. is, she is she is, she's looks like a girl, but she's, however her makeup is externally, she's not complete. Okay. She identifies basically with being a boy. Okay. And so it, I mean, same thing. It goes back to, you cannot freaking judge. You cannot judge. God does not make mistakes. And well, people that are transgender or identify with whatever, whatever, you don't know. You don't know what's going on in their brain and their chemical makeup. You don't know what's going on internally. We don't know. We are not called to judge. We are called to love. 
boom, you said it. We're not God. I don't need to be God because I would do a poor job. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's like, what would Jesus do? Look at who he sat with at a table. He's not, he, he's not wrapped up with, you know, perfection. He had hung out with prostitutes. My gosh, this is Jesus. They, they drank. Do you know Jesus drank? I, I mean, what did he do that was so powerful amongst all the sinners to include myself? He loved us. Love. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's, I say this all the time in my office. It is not my job to be someone's Holy Spirit. Everything is a process. Everything. And look, I'm not there yet either, by the way. I love God, but I can tell you, I'm still a work in progress. And so everybody has their own timeline. The first, but first things first, they need, everyone needs to know that they are loved by God. That's our message. That's what it should be. Because I wouldn't want to know God if it was hellfire and brimstone. Like, why would I want that? That's what I actually thought it was. And that's why I was like, the hell with you, God. That was easy for me to say. Jack Daniels does way better than you do, <laughs> right? It takes away, yeah. Yeah. but eventually it couldn't take away everything, right? You still wake up the next morning and there's something in us that's seeking something to complete us. Mm-hmm. And so love wins. I mean, it is the greatest weapon against the enemy. And the enemy being what? The lies that we hear in the head, in our heads, the lies or the the mistreatment of human beings that cast stones at you and judgment. Who do they think they are? Mm -hmm. And they do have backgrounds. I'm not going to get into my daughter's story, but there's a reason why she doesn't trust men. And we'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why she said, mom, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. But nobody wants to know that story. They just want to look at the outward appearance of, oh my gosh, your daughter's gay. Does she know she's going to hell? I mean, you can look at the TikTok comments. You look at those comments of the trolls that came out talking about my daughter. The, the, you know, the, the, the responses were absolutely, if, if you could say Satan, I would say Satan wrote them <laughs> because there was, and my daughter was reading them because she follows me on TikTok. How disgusting. And you know what that does? That says, mom, why would I want to go to a church when these people are Christian? And I said, you know what? I wouldn't want to go to their church either. Absolutely. Me neither. Absolutely. Yeah. You are so amazing. I'm so excited to have you in my life. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. Okay. So where can people find you? So on TikTok, you are toxic, no more 22. Yes. And then yes. So what do you offer and where else can they find you? So brokennomore.com is my website. And so I have two books published on Amazon. So if somebody wants to know the story, it's broken no more. I, I am because he is. And so that's on Amazon. And then I published a 12 step workbook, which is, has been in jails, um, the department of veterans affairs. And it's what I use now when I do my boot camps, the boot camps are called counseling, they're counseling intensive. And so if anybody's interested in me leading a boot camp or doing virtual sessions with me, brokenamore.com. It's on my bio to TikTok. I'm on Instagram as Marianne Trainer One. Um, and so as a marriage and family counselor, people say, well, what who do you counsel? Is it just marriages and families? No, everyone. If you're broken, I see you. <laughs> right. And so I've counseled five-year-olds. I, I mean, I've never said no to anyone because I know at the end of the day who the real counselor is, by the way. And so it's him. So that's how they can find me, TikTok, brokenamore.com, and they can email me through that website as well. Everything's on there. 
And if they want to ever join me for a bootcamp, they can contact me for that as well. We have a non, I have to say we have a nonprofit. So imagine this Meg, I need a counseling since the time I was born. I couldn't because I never had the money for it. And it was just so hard to do. So out of my heart and my own pain as a child and a person, I decided to form an organization where partners step up to pay for counseling for those who afford it. Because a lot of broken women can't afford counseling. So I have the nonprofit, which is Broken No More Ministries. And then my private counseling practice is trainer counseling. That's called trainer counseling. And you can reach me at um, trainercounseling.com. Actually, trainercounseling at gmail.com. That's my email, trainercounseling at gmail.com. So there's no excuse, Meg, for somebody to walk away from this podcast and say, well, what do I do now? Where do I go? You can get free counseling. Contact me. Don't stay where you're at. Get need and be broken no more. (laughs) Be broken no more. Amen to that. Oh my gosh. You're such a light. I cannot wait just to see you keep growing because you have such a gift and the world needs to hear you and the world is going to hear you. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing for women. They get to hear stuff like this. You stepped out because this is what gives you meaning, purpose, and value. And so you and I together on the front lines, killing stuff, right? The good, the stuff that needs to go, the religion, the hate, and how do we kill it with love? And what you're doing is demonstrating love to everybody who's listening. And, and I guess my story shows what love really can do for, per, for a person when they're set free. Love sets you free. Love it sets sure you free. It sure does. Well, this was amazing. We will have to do this again soon. Hey, you're awesome. Thanks for everything. If you thought today rocked, subscribe to the Meg Rock Show podcast, leave a review and let me know what your takeaway was. All of my social is linked in the show notes. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at the Meg Rock. For more info on me and to take my quiz to find out what energy blocks you have in your life and in your home, and maybe even coaching, go to manifestingmarge.com. Repeat after me, I am a powerful, loving, radiant, abundant, badass warrior goddess. I am here to rock out this lifetime. It doesn't serve me or the world to play small. I am worthy of all that I desire. See you in the next episode. The Meg Rock Show podcast and all content created by Manifesting Marge LLC is created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have for a medical condition or concern. Meg Schwarzrock is not a doctor or a therapist.